Okay, this is it. Welcome back. This is a podcast called Monster Manual Mash. This is a conversation where uh, Wes and I, we talk about every monster in the Monster Manual 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons. We're going entry by entry, and we look at each individual monster. We talk about what Wizards of the Coast is trying to do with it, maybe, what each monster might be doing to your head psychologically, what kind of value you can get out of it, how maybe you can use them in a game, because the monster manual isn't very explicit about how to use things, but you can kind of infer it from the way they write about it, so we try to dig into that. And we look at myth and history and try to draw some more gold out of the sources out of these monsters. Do we do anything else? I think that just about covers it. Sometimes we talk about uh, and critique the art that's in the book itself. Yeah, whether or not just we, a little bit we like that depiction and how 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 we would depict them. But you know, yeah, yeah. I've been discouraged from doing that because this is an audio medium. And that's true. There's yeah. diminishing returns on that, <laughs> but it's worth talking about sometimes. Today we have, uh, I've never heard it spoken aloud. Dwergar. Dwergar. That sounds Dwergar. good to me. Yeah. Dwergar. Yeah. Dwergar. It, it has a kind of uh, Norse origin. So that, that sounds Norse, Norse-y, mm-hmm. I think. So number one, we're looking at the Dwergar. They are tyrannical. They are otherwise known as gray dwarves. They live in fantastic cities deep in the Underdark. They have ancient dwarven magic and slaves that they work tirelessly in order to expand their underground kingdoms. Most, including the females, are bald with ashen gray skin. Drab clothing designed to blend in with stone along with simple jewelry that reflects their severe and utilitarian demeanor. Did you see this thing? Uh, Kate Blanchett apparently asked the, uh, the art design team... For when she was making The Hobbit to yeah. draw up a picture of her as a, a dwarven woman. Yeah. And it looks really good. You can find it on the Google image search, Kate Blanchett, uh, woman dwarf, or just Kate Blanchett dwarf. But because uh, you never see a dwarf, a of, of female dwarf in Lord of the Rings. You see a, a sketch of one that Orlando Bloom uh makes fun of the inevitable like yeah is this your brother that's my wife kind of dwarf right, humor yeah, yeah but uh this is um i know it's beautiful it's like you 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 this could have been this this could have been yeah anyways go look go look that up on your own time uh that's not what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about uh slaves to slavers so here's the backstory of the dwergar they were once dwarves before their greed and their endless delving beneath the earth brought them into contact with mind flares which are uh squid headed villain freaks from space and time they were held in captivity for generations and eventually won their freedom with the help from an evil god called Ladiguer. Slavery had changed them and had darkened their spirits to make them as evil as the tyrants they had escaped. Now their power, no, sorry, now their dour, pessimistic, untrusting, and they toil and complain with no memory of happiness or pride. Their accomplishments and their prowess endures, but they are bereft of warmth or artistry. They make war on all other subterranean species. Alliances are made and broken whenever convenient, and they take slaves all the time, using them as the backbone of a workforce or as a crude currency. They are tough as stone. They have strong constitutions, but they also have strong mental fortitude from their time as slaves to the mind flayers who are uh, psychic people. A Dwergar's mind is a fortress. 
born of darkness. Due to living in the Underdark, they are infused with strange magical power, including the ability to change size and strength, or become invisible. They also have twice the normal range for their dark vision, but they have a hard time seeing in the sun, like most of the Underdark dwellers. And finally, they have an infernal master. Asmodeus, the devil, has been known to impersonate Dwergar gods in order to cultivate the vile, the villainy brimming in the hearts of the Grey Dwarves. He offers divine guidance and vengeance and steers them to greater acts of tyranny. So the, the mental fortress thing is reflected in their stat block as they're hard to mentally control or charm. And then they have, they're just kind of like fighty dwarves with high constitutions, but they also have these magical powers that let them grow twice as big. So then you've got like a, a big ogre guy or invisible, which are kind of two separate um, skill sets. Yeah. But they make four an interesting, um, the nice thing about using them as a, as a foe is that they you can create kind of interesting tactical encounters maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes like with other creatures that are supposed to be kind of more major threats that you encounter more than once, um, their tactics are kind of this, the same, like fighting orcs. Unless you introduce extra environmental things or extra uh, circumstantial considerations, then it's basically the same. Orcs just yeah. like run at you, and uh, but these guys have different things they can do. So there's a bit more variety. Yeah, I Let's especially talk. like the uh, the that they can get giant. You know, or just at least you know double the size. Uh, uh, what is it? Is it? Is it double? Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Um, because because they're dwarves, right? So like, even though they're you know they're 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 broad and they're hefty, so they're medium creatures, anyways. But you still think of like, oh, I'm taller than a dwarf, you know. And so, them growing is a nice trick. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it really defies expectations yeah. in in such a silly way, like. So much of our idea of what a dwarf is relies on them being smaller than a human. Yeah. And Which is what, part of, yeah. like, the... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and what did, like, encounter-wise, uh, it would be fun to save that for, like, the second Durgar encounter, you know? The first ones, you caught them unaware, or they already used their, their enlarge ability earlier in the day for whatever reason. And you handle them, no problem. But then the next one, the whole group of them, they all get big. <laughs> and so you're not, or they would do that intentionally to like throw you off to, to be able to strike a, strike a killing blow because they're, they're nefarious. Yeah. Yeah. I could see players getting really uh, shocked and pissed off that a bunch of dwarves get really big. Yeah. Just like, it's a good, it's a good tactical ambush. Yeah. To put them through and the invisibility too is like oh they can go invisible too what the hell is with these guys <laughs> that's a good one um well let's look at let's let's talk about their uh i find them kind of interesting conceptually they're sort of like um and we haven't talked about them yet but they've creeped up in other spots in the monster manual already but they're kind of like the the drow yeah which are like the dark sides of elves Mm -hmm. so when you continue this idea you start like and you start giving i like there being dark sides to different uh races in fantasy Mm -hmm. because you're kind of dealing in in fantasy you're dealing with like ideals or philosophies and these are kind of embodied in the different races so like elves are noble haughty um kind of ideal forms but then the dark side of that is that you can be uh you know tyrannical uh solipsistic um cruel all these things so the same is true with the other species so a dwarf 
uh, it's it's cool to explore the dark side of that. Um, and you can kind of see it. I think the uh, I was trying to figure out if there were Druergar in media at large because the idea of like a dark elf is everywhere. Oh yeah, in totally. the, the deviant art world. <laughs> you know, like even if not in like explicitly the the race. Or mentioning an elf, you have things like Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII, yeah. or like uh, the it's an archetype that exists um, all over the place. Yeah, totally. But an evil dwarf is less recognizable, or like um, I don't know if there's a direct archetype of that that you see all the time, but I think you see it with. Um, Emily and I just watched one of the fan cuts of the Hobbit films that cut it down oh, to yeah. like a, a four hour manageable film. So it's a little fresh in my mind, but Thorin Oakenshield, who is the one leading the dwarves to go retake uh, their mountain and their, their spoils and their old, their old home. He gets the dragon sickness, yeah. so he starts getting more and more uh, greedy and short-sighted, and he abuses his friends because he's he only wants to get back what's his. Um, so I think if you extend that a bit more, he's kind of like just the dark side of what being a dwarf is, which is like you work really hard all the time. You take a lot of pride in the stuff you make and uh, hoard. Yeah. And you just dial that up all the way. And what you get is someone who like toils and works and works, but gets no joy out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. Yeah. I also like, um. so I would um, like when, I don't know, in, in envisioning them or working them into a campaign or something, I would modify the sort of like origin story a little bit. Like I would still keep the, they were captured by mind flares like illithids for a while. Mm -hmm. Cause that's a good, that would mess you up <laughs> as a, as a like over, over mm -hmm. generations. But I'm not a huge fan of the like, Oh, they became, you know, uh, uh, more cruel and willing to take on slaves because they were slaves for so long. Cause I don't know if that, I don't, you know, I, I don't love that narrative as much, but mind flares, they're they eat your brains and they 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 suck out parts of your mind for sustenance and so over generations of that i could see that just having like just the mind flares being being like cattle to mind flares that would like mess you up yeah more in a more like universal consistent way than some like psychological thing like le yeah. less 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 magical psychological thing happening um it's like it's like it's you know like a minor thing there, but yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I think it's like um, it because it changes the whole vibe of them in the first place. Where it's like if you just take it as it is written, they have this like victim background, yeah, that colors the whole experience. I mean, it depends how much you want to use it in your game. You don't you don't ever have to explain yeah. why they are what they are, yeah. but like. If you did, you could, to me, it kind of, it's almost like an apologetic presentation of the Dwergar, mm -hmm. where it's like, they're evil, but like, think about what they went through, man. Like, come on. Yeah. So it kind of, to me, kind of begs you to think about um, campaigns based on like rehabilitating them or like fixing them, because not only, not only are they the victims of these insane psychic octopus slavers yeah um but after that after they've escaped and informed their own society like now one of the lords of hell is yeah like messing around with them <laughs> like the devil basically like you said earlier yeah just straight up the devil <laughs> like satan himself yeah. has yeah. impersonated their own god and is getting them to be even worse so they're really like they're not on top of it. They are being <laughs> used and abused every from every direction. So you could have it that they are you know 
victims and you might have to like try to like make them see it or like help them out of this and then become normal dwarves again Mm -hmm. which is one way but i always find it more interesting um kind of like what you were saying to make it just like it's just in their nature like have it just be their nature i think is there's less of a hook involved in that but the uh i think it makes a a richer or just like a less simplistic like the a lot of the, the fantasy, especially D and D, as it's presented, um, vanilla style, is like things are good, and then they are corrupted and made bad. Yeah. Whereas what I like more is that things are both good and bad at different times, or under different circumstances, or since we're dealing with fantasy, it's like there is an elemental good and bad that exists. And creatures like humans exist in the middle and can be pulled one way or another. But other races that are similar to humans are, have such a pull to one or the other that their entire race is, is one way or another. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you can have an interplay of like uh, um, sort of inherent traits and like acquired traits working together in, 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 in some ways. Like so, you know, you could have... Say okay, so say you're you're doing a campaign where like the alt the sort of the the big bad the main antagonists are illithids or mind flayers, and through pursuing them and trying to figure out what's what's going on with them, you encounter some of the remnants of other peoples that have been like captured and uh you know enslaved by illithids throughout the time. So you 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 deal with Gith Yankee and Githzari, uh, which we'll get to later uh, in future episodes, and Durgar and. I don't. There's a bunch of other ones too that uh, had like illithid business in mm-hmm. the past, and through that, it's like, oh, okay. So like this is, uh, like it's not always the same result. Um, uh, uh, but like you you don't come out unchanged after like being, you know, um, enthralled by illithids for generations that like that yeah. totally changes and so like you can sort of have these like quote unquote like evil uh societies that you're encountering these like evil fantasy races but like that evilness itself is like the symptom of the larger evil that the party is going after you know mm-hmm. and so it's all like it's it's connected in a weird way you know yeah you yeah. kind of in a fantasy you have to like not think of things so like psychologically and just take it for face value in order for it to kind of work. But it's, it can be satisfying when it's like you, you can paint things with such a broad stroke that you can solve this creature's, this entire race's dilemma by like killing Satan or something, right? Like that's the kind of fun of it. Yeah, well, um, maybe, like, you'd make things a little bit better for them if you go and kill Satan, too. <laughs> but, like, I think yeah. it would take, like, a long period of rehabilitation to, like, de-illithidize them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, reprogram. Yeah. You're like, okay, we know we know that you have, like, an instinctual fear of things more powerful than you sucking your brains out. And so you're hoarding all these weapons and stuff to <laughs> yourselves to defend yourself yeah. from that. We get it. We killed them, so you're fine now. Just we're going to keep an eye on you while we go yeah. deal with other stuff. The idea, like a Dwergar, um, I think is a really funny character, possibly. Yeah. Because you can make them very dark, but like on, on their own, they're kind of hilarious. They're like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Scrooge yeah. McDuck. Or just simply Ebenezer Scrooge. I don't know why I had to go to DuckTales immediately, but... Uh, kind of shows my mental cards uh in that but um just like super curmudgeonly and like no humor no warmth um would be a fun npc to have to deal with rather (laughs) than fight necessarily yeah and i think there's a precedent for it too in um the dwarf culture at large because uh ludgwer who's the god who like helped free them is uh was a dwarven god but he was unpopular because uh, <laughs> his his doctrine teaches obedience to one's leader empowerment through the exploitation of labor 
enrichment yeah. through the creation of magical weapons and protection through an unforgiving military program. <laughs> so he's like kind of the dark side of dwarves already before they went Dwargar. Yeah, yeah. And like we all know people like this who just like who only or we like have crossed paths with them at least like who only work they exist to work they don't want to bother with human relationships or dealing with like the greater political or spiritual world they just mm -hmm. like they probably have some weird hang-ups that you don't want to get into um but they're good at their job yeah also they, they're good at the job but like they're always asking you what the point of everything that you do is that isn't yeah like making money or like fixing a broken object they probably have one of those shirts that's like like uh you're stupid or something <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah you know you know what i mean if you, can, like, if, if you can read this you're stupid if you could read this you're <laughs> yeah, stupid yeah. yeah just like these like i <laughs> this is, i'm thinking of it people who relish having to talk to people who need their help <laughs> yeah maybe that's a different sort of maybe that's not a dwarf guy <clears throat> i don't think a dwarf guy would like relish that kind of cruelty maybe that's more of a an elf thing maybe but mm -hmm. i have worked uh in factories in the past with people who would uh like come in to work weekends which was optional um, when it wasn't like totally essential that they needed to, yeah, and it was, and I would ask them why. I was like, "Why are you working at this factory six days a week? You like you, you're on the payroll. You're, I'm a temp. You're making more money than me. Like, what, like, are you okay?" And I was like, "I just got nothing better to do. You know, might as well work. You know, waste of time yeah. not working." <laughs> and yeah, uh, and it, and and like, and so he, he had like a big fancy truck. I guess he had to pay for, but like the truck was so that he could do more work. I asked yeah. him about it too. It's like, why, like, what's with the truck? Uh, you live way closer than me. I walk here, you know, you, like a tiny sedan would have been fine, you know, because you're just coming here. It's like, oh, I do other stuff, you know, got to, some winter shutdown over Christmas, like to do some drywalling and blah, blah, you know. And I just like, it's okay. I would get it if like work was fun and this was like an enjoyable thing. But it just seemed to be like this hyper i guess it's like a protestant work ethic thing that's the cultural sort of like vibe but it's like work is its own intrinsic good and yeah like that's the idea that i don't really relate to but i feel like that boiled down to the point where it's like evil and empire building is duragars <laughs> yeah yeah it's very um because there's a good side to that where yeah. you take pride in your work and you work hard and you accomplish a lot which is you great achieve yeah. great things yeah yeah, yeah. But the Dwergar get no joy out of it. Yeah. And I like to imagine, like, we all, I think if you're into these kinds of games, you can picture, like, a dwarven city pretty well. I think it's uh, one of the, the many things that, like, the Jackson um, films get right is the, like, dwarven architecture is huge and square and yeah. geometric um, and sturdy and it like it looks it looks pretty right yeah but i think a dwergar dwergar uh architecture i'd imagine it being like like very brutalist yeah or um at the same time maybe there are elements that are like impossibly detailed and intrinsic and like kind of overwhelmingly detailed yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, because it wasn't done. You'd like whoever's job it was was to uh, it's... ornament this thing. Yeah, you know they they did nothing but that. So it's yeah. So yeah, so then you get these like insane geometric patterns that just like overlap and spiral into themselves, and you like like he's never finished working on it, and you just like uh, maybe the size or scale of it, or like it catches your eye and it, it literally like paralyzes you or something yeah or or like everything is made and designed um like with uh form follows function to like such a ridiculous degree that it's like there's 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 no aspects of the way it's designed other than to like maximize its use for other work so like a passageway it would be is is exact like exactly the size and shape 
of the people and things that need to go through the passageway. <laughs> like it'd be a, a Durgar shaped doorway because that's who goes through them. Nothing else needs to go through there. So like it'd be wasted material and wasted space to have anything else there. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah. Like I think, and I think there's room for all of that too. Like, um, because you don't, I don't, I would want them to be like one trick dungeon designers yeah. too. Like having pieces of it that are like that, like maybe different Dwergar have different interpretations of what this, yeah. what being a Dwergar means. So yeah. you have people that like endlessly are making these like gigantic uh, vaults and tunnels that like contain nothing. <laughs> but they're like, just keep carving away space because we need more space. And like, or you get the opposite, which is what you, you're describing, which is like pure utilitarian. To get to what we want, we have to carve these like Junji Ito <laughs> holes. Yeah, the Enigma fault holes. <laughs> yeah, but then yeah. you, you like, yeah, they get these weird ideas about how something has to be, and then they have to work backwards from there to how to get it. So, like, they draw up, draw up plans to make, like, a kitchen mm -hmm. but before they make the kitchen they have to like tunnel there in order to make the tunnel they have to like make the perfect like plan yeah so they have to get like the perfect paper and writing utensils and to get those they have to travel to like the other side of the world to get this like specific ink that is the best ink yeah to make a plan and so, and to get involved, they, they like try to design ways to like save time and save labor, but they spend 10 times the amount of time that they would save in designing the thing to save the time. Yeah. 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 So like all these systems and, and weird, like pre planning, uh, fixtures and even like prototypes, they've built like 700 prototypes of the thing that they're going to build. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eventually. So you have these, these like these huge vaults full of like these, just like a door that they've built a hundred times before they do the real door somewhere else. Yeah. So you can get into some like uh, some really, uh, they're great. These are great villains to have, have dungeons that you have to go through, as well as enemies because they have all this this kind of like really rich psychology behind them. Yeah. Um, and there are the kinds of stories you could maybe have in play uh, are pretty varied as well. I have trouble locking down on one, but like they take slaves all the time. So you could be trying to rescue a certain slave or they've stolen something valuable to someone else that you have to go retrieve. Um, you don't even have to worry about like trying to save the Dwergar's soul or anything. You can just have them be good villains that have a whole bunch of stuff that you want to take from them. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they've, they, they've uh, like, you know, built some device better than anyone else. And like you, you need like the Dwergar obsessive craftsmanship level, you know, of, uh, of, of, of like skill, you know, in, in involved in like the thing that you need. And the only people um, is like who are bonkers enough to like put that much detail into something of the Duergar. So you got to go <laughs> find the thing from them. Yeah. Whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. You could have a good like inception story too, where like somebody wishes that some device existed. So you yeah. have to go like incept the idea that this device should exist into the mind of a Duergar. Yeah. yeah. Because eventually they're going to make it because they have to make things. Yeah. Hang on, I gotta go figure out what my cat wants. Okay, I'm back. She just hates doors that are closed in all forms. Yeah, that's yeah, that's cats. Yeah. Um, I'd written something here about the Dwergar and the the devil. I was thinking that like, would they really care if they found out that their their god was actually 
Asmodeus? Well, I think that would depend on how it affected their bottom line. <laughs> right. Right? See, I was thinking, this is something we end up coming up with usually, which is like an industrialization of some aspect of a monster. Yeah. So like, if they knew that they had devil help, I imagine that they would like, they'd be fine with it because they could get around it. Like, yeah, they might do, you know, to exchange for like devil help through like magic or I don't know, items or whatever, what, how, whatever devils do for you, they could like trade them uh, souls. Cause that's what devils are all into. Yeah. Right. They just, yeah. they just want the souls and they've got all these slaves hanging around. And the Dwergard don't want to go to hell, I don't think. So what they would try to do is they'd have like these like slave uh, corruption farms, right? Where they just have like fill them full of slaves, and then you set up conditions. He's like, you create these like Stanford Prison Experiment conditions where the slaves commit acts of lawful evil against each other in order to survive <laughs> or benefit. But it's. It's all, and they're living out all this drama, but it's really just a controlled program to pay off devils <laughs> for their magical help. They're mining soul coin. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. They have these like huge, like isolated, to like bio terrariums that are set up just to pit slaves against each other and make them like it's it's all very carefully calibrated yeah. from the outside. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like minecraft yeah yeah it's like evil minecraft Let's see i covered a lot of stuff in my notes in a different order than i wrote it down so they're like oh yeah i wanted i was thinking about um, what would the flip sides, what are the drow or dwergar equivalents for like, uh, halflings? Oh yeah. I don't know about halflings cause gnomes have the sufflerblin or whatever they're It's, 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 yeah. it's like a by design unpronounceable name word. I think, I think it's a Norse. Yeah. It's a yeah. Norse name, uh, which I'll f figure out how to pronounce when the time comes. So to me, as a non-Norse speaker, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it comes across as a yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah. So those are the gnome ones. I don't know what the the bad halflings would be. Mm. Like you can kind of get it out of, um, like when when Bilbo leaves the Shire. Yeah, he's gone for um. Someone's going to correct me. He's gone for a long time. He's gone for a, over a year, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, when he comes back, all of the other hobbits are clearing out his house and like selling off all those things because they thought he was dead. Right, yeah. And there's, um, it's furthered in uh, the beginning of Lord of the Rings. You get into the like inter, I think it would be a good, em Emily says this all the time, but I think she's right. It would be a really good like, Never mind the new Amazon Lord of the Rings series. You could just have a series that's like Coronation Street, but it's just set in yes, the Shire. I, I want a kitchen sink drama <laughs> set in the Shire. Oh, my God. Uh, that'd be great. I, I would love that. Yeah, there's yeah. some drama. There's some there's some shit happening. Like keeping like, up with the some... Joneses, but it's... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like having these like vindictive family members from like a different... Uh, like side of the family who are always trying to like make moves on your property or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, so I think you just have like the, the worst take. What's the worst of suburbia? Which are like nosy neighbors, uh, overconsumption. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like take like the fifties, maybe like, uh, you just like spray chemicals on your lawn every all everywhere and like you're just getting fast food takeout and throwing it on the highway. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you maybe the instead of the Shire, like evil halflings live in a Walmart. 
Oh yeah. They're just like trashy uh like Disneyland patrons or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's it's yeah, I don't, it's a, it's a little bit strange thinking about like because along this line of like okay, what is like the evil halfling? What is, you know, what, it, what but it's it just because halflings are hobbits really and hobbits are rural englishmen right and so yeah the, like it really is just modern middle class minus all of the charm <laughs> it's like yeah. that's that's kind of what it is <laughs> yeah i don't know and then you have to like yeah. fantasize it somehow and you have to so fantasize you have to make it, it like weird usually in the underdark too because like that's yeah. where the flip side of all this so like you have these weird like underground consumerist walmart hells that people live in oh yeah and they've they've all they all like live in one place next to each other like spending all of their resources on purely like ornamental bullshit and like destroying everything around them in the process of like creating this island of like perfectly curated sameness and uh they also expend an unbelievable amount of resources that they get from everybody else going to a faraway place where they just get more shit they don't need, like just yeah, yeah, just double down on like the evils of consumerism. Yeah, or like yeah. they're they're like obnoxious tourists. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, because the the halflings in D anD D are like they have less to do with hobbits in the Shire and more yeah. to do with um like the the eventual Bilbo adventuring spirit. Yeah, yeah. And so Emily's yelling Kender at me. She just got back from him groceries, and <laughs> the first thing she says to me is, Kender! So the Kender, have you ever read the Dragonlance books? Uh, no, I'm familiar with the Kender, though, as yeah, yeah. like uh, as, as a concept. They're little impish uh, trickster hobbit types. Yeah, like a whole, whole like, uh, spe- like, society of, uh, like, a, a problem... D and D player, <laughs> yeah, they're mercurial little shits. Yeah, like mischief loving Mary Sue people. Yeah, yeah. So the halflings in D and D are sort of like they're they're usually rogues. Um, sometimes they're like kind of presented as cutthroat. Uh, but they're there's kind of originally the idea was that they're based on Bilbo's adventuring times and right. the. The things he was able to do, which was sneak and go unnoticed, yeah, and like be fleet of foot and yeah. all that stuff. That's like the, the, yeah. what was focused you on. You got your but... human wizard, and you got your dwarf fighter, and you got your your yeah. elf ranger, and you got your halfling thief. Yeah. So the dark side of that would be, I think, rather than like an enterprising rogue seeking adventure, you're like a horrible tourist. Who's just wanting to like use and abuse and get the cheapest thrill out of every location? <laughs> yeah, ruining like beautifully sublime moments by going like, "Would you look at that? Look at that!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> setting up take souvenir shops next to like sacred areas. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like, that's the problem. Is like next to the druid grove that you've traveled for like three years to <laughs> to go seek the wisdom of this talking oak tree. Um, and there's like a, a like a nonsense trinket shop that the shitty halflings have set up right next to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, let's look a little a little bit at the the myths that inspire the Dwergar. Um, so the the enlarging and the invisibility, mostly the invisibility, um, but but both of them. Uh, have some roots in the the myths, which is kind of neat. Uh, so, Durgar come from dwarves. They're kind of uh, they're very related in myth. Um, it gets very fuzzy, and there's no real consensus. There's no there's no final consensus on even the etymology of dwergar or dwarf there's a lot of uh proposals so there's a proto-germanic word dwizgaz 
and um, there's a Germanic word that's at the root of dizzy, which might be um, a contestant because in the earlier myths involving dwarves, dwarves would inflict mental diseases on humans <laughs> and weren't that much different from elves and other supernatural beings. So like a dizzy turned to, to like dizzy maker and then dwarf and dwezgaz were offshoots of this possibly. And then it goes uh, even further back from Proto-Germanic. There's like Indo-European uh, dwer meaning damage or drug. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but that would be uh, a root word of dream or deception in German, mm -hmm. which... Um, you know, magical creatures like a dwarf might be coming from. And then there's the Sanskrit Devaris, which is a type of demonic being. But there's no real, uh, there's no real answer. There's also a fight over what the proper plural is for dwarf. Oh, yeah. You have dwarfs and also dwarves. Um, dwarves shows up in 1818 and it was popularized by Tolkien but he also wrote and said I am afraid it is just a piece of private bad grammar rather, rather shocking in a philologist but I shall have to go with it <laughs> right because it, it's, it's like the way that you do a pluralization depends on what like whether it's coming from a Greek or a Latin or a Norse root is with a lot of right. words that we use in English at least. Yeah. But uh, he did it and yeah. it's here to stay, I think. Yeah. I think uh, he took his shot and ruined the English language. <laughs> no, that's not true. Please don't write to me. <laughs> So dwarves come from Norse mythology primarily. There's a, some um, English mythology as well, particularly from Northumbria. But the dwarves there are more like gnomes. They're called like uh, they're dwarves or brown men who like jog around hills and mislead travelers. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's like not the kind of dwarf we're dealing with here. We're mostly dealing with the Norse myths. So there's a few that show up in the Poetic Edda, but the Prose Edda, these are the two separate um, primary sources of Norse folklore and mythology that we have, um, describes dwarves as being similar to maggots that festered in the flesh of Ymir before being gifted with reason by the gods. Um, so Ymir, you could maybe compare to the Titans in Greek mythology. So mm -hmm. sort of like a pre-god creature, kind of like, uh, representing the chaos, the primordial material of the world before the gods of men appeared yeah. and killed them and got rid of them. So the dwarves are made out of this kind of primal non-human stuff, but they have been given human-like reason. So they're kind of these like halfway people. Mm -hmm. And then there are in the Poetic Edda and the Prose Edda, there are over a hundred dwarf names. So it's like a whole section where they just like list a bunch of dwarf names and they all sound like the ones Tolkien gave to the, the, uh, the Lonely Mountain Company. Yeah. Like Narori, Swari, Ostri, Vestri, um, and so on and so on. And but they are described separately from the black elves. So they're their own species for whatever reason. Uh, they have quite a, a diverse set of roles. They are broadly, they are categorized into uh, murderous creators who have created the mead of poetry. 
So the mead of poetry is a mythical beverage that whoever drinks it becomes a scald or scholar. So you become like a, a poet or you become like a humanities hero, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, the drink is a vivid metaphor for poetic inspiration, often associated with Odin um, and manifests either through poetic inspiration or berserker rage. So you just get like super vital powers. So the, the dwarves are the ones who made it. Um, they are reluctant donors of important artifacts with magical qualities or sexual predators who lust after goddesses. So they kind of they're these jealous, uh, lusty but brilliantly minded creators. But they don't create life; they just create stuff. Mm -hmm. They create objects. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote somewhere else too. I, I didn't find it when we we're going through this, but like elves are basically like the height of humanity studies and dwarves are the height of like stem yeah studies i could see that yeah so when you when you make them both magical uh you have like these highly capable creators master of physics who like can't control their own base desires yeah and you yeah and you the 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 dwarves being the ones with like the more stemmy tech technology stuff like that's not you don't see a ton of that and well actually with the like the forges and stuff that are talked about and sometimes depicted in tolkien you kind of see it there but in like other fantasy settings uh in D D, when you have like oh the people that know techno stuff a lot of the time that's 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 gnomes but like there's a lot of depictions of, of dwarves too with yeah like having like steampunk technology but being the only ones with like crazy technology you know like in in a in a in a they're called something different now but when they were called dwarves in warhammer fantasy they were the one they had helicopters <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and i i get you know they had helicopters and like walkers and and, and like weird stuff like that which is like that exists in that setting because it looks cool but you know yeah it it um it all depends what your threat personal yeah. preference and thresholds are but like gnomes work hand in hand with with dwarves gnomes are kind of like the i think the kind of synthesis of the human the humanity elves and the dwarf uh sciences yeah where they have they're they're inventors and tinkerers but they're not like they're not solid at it they have these these fanciful ideas about how something might work and they experiment, but they, they're not, they're never going to mass produce something or they're never going to, they don't make empires or they don't make like, they're never going to just make a bank. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's got to have like really gigs and it's got to like spin around and it's got to be colorful. And it's like, they're very inventive, yeah. but they're not practical. Whereas dwarves are very practical. The stuff they make works, whereas a, a a gnome's stuff might like be ten times better, or it might explode and kill you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they are dwarves back in the Norse world are associated with metalsmithing and death, and in a few stories, it is said that the doorways in the mountains that they guard are regarded as doors between worlds themselves. Uh, there's a dwarf named Alvis who claimed the hand of Thor's daughter in marriage, but he was kept talking until daybreak and turned to stone, much like some accounts of trolls. <laughs> just kept talking. Like, they <laughs> just distracted him by, uh, like, getting him to talk about himself, asking him questions, and that was his downfall. Yeah, just, yeah. like, on his marriage. That's great. At his wedding. Yeah. Um, after the Christianization of the Germanic peoples, uh, dwarf tales continued to be told. Um, in the late legendary sagas, dwarves demonstrate skill in healing as well as smithing. Um, in the early Norse stories, there's actually no mention of them being short. It was only later on, uh, after Christianization, that they were described as small and usually ugly. So I, th I don't know if that's like a hit job by 
uh, Christian makers trying to call all of your like folklore creatures uh, small and ugly. I bet it is. <laughs> I bet it's, it's these, these these like you know uh, uh, evangelizing like missionaries being like, oh, you know those those secret secret people aren't cool. They're they're little and ugly. They're yeah, gross. They're tiny. Yeah, yeah. What do you they're think? They're, they're cool? No, they're not. They're not. They're not one of God's creations, so like they suck. Yeah, not like you, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because even some of their names, um, Falanger is tall enough, and Har is high. So these are like dwarf names that indicate suggest they were actually tall enough. <laughs> yeah, tall enough. <laughs> I, if, like, tall enough is a good name. That's a, that's a great name. I love that. I love the enough there because like. Depending on the circumstances, that's either that's 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 either good or like kind of insulting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which that's that's a very Norse thing is to have these kinds of uh, kennings they were called, which yeah. is like it's you say these words, but they actually mean something completely different. <laughs> but if you if you ken the meaning, then you get it. Yeah. Great example of that is um, I don't know if you're watching the that. Terrible, but I love it. Uh, Vikings TV show. Uh, we uh, Heath and I started it a while ago because I never actually watched yeah. it, and then and I uh, I I think we we're in season three and we kind of lost interest. We started, yeah, 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 yeah. that happened. Um, but I, I stuck through it. Um, it has moments of greatness, yeah. but a lot of a lot of uh, fat you could cut. Yeah, but um, one of the things later on in the show you you get to meet um, Ivar the Boneless. So, and Ivar the Boneless was a real figure yeah. um, involved in the Norse invasions of uh, England. And, but no one knows why he was called the Boneless. So in the show, they make it so that he was born with like a degenerative leg disease or like the, his, he can't, He's paralyzed right. from the oh, waist yeah. down. Oh yeah, I saw. I, I, I saw, he's a, he's a baby, and where I left off in the show. Yeah, yeah. Child. So he grows up but later, yeah. and he becomes a major figure. Yeah. Um, but that probably, most likely, wasn't true because someone who had that kind of problem was probably not a war hero back then. Yeah. Right. Um. So there's lots of um speculation about what the boneless might have meant. So on one hand, it is a funny thing to call someone. So people thought there's, there are two main um, ideas. One is that he's called the boneless because uh, he didn't need legs because he was in a boat so much, which is mean, which refers to the amount of Vikings traveling across the ocean or the sea to get to England was so numerous that he never had to like he could just crawl from boat to boat right yeah and then the other one is that that is a kenning for uh, a dragon because a dragon is like a snake is just like a moving torso it doesn't have any like quote unquote bones to like move around so calling him the boneless is like a sly way of calling him a dragon because he was a war hero. Right. He was like one of the leaders. So it's kind of like calling. It's like calling like when you got like a big guy and you call him tiny. Right. Yeah. It's like a humorous nickname, but it also highlights just how big he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's a big digression, but uh, tall enough. The dwarf. Good name. Um, female dwarves are hardly ever mentioned. There's a dwarf named uh, Dvalin who has dwarf daughters, but they're never really described. Um, there's a Swedish ballad that comes from way later, I think like the medieval, medieval period, called Sir Peter and the Dwarf's Daughter, where a supernatural temptress is played by a dwarf's daughter. So these aren't yeah. necessarily Dwergar things, but these are, you see the kind of like, they're not necessarily concerned with like working hard, but they create fine things, but they also kind of, they they cause a lot of problems for people. 
and then um, in Anglo-Saxon Saxony, there is what is this? There's a charm that translates to against a dwarf, which appears to relate to sleep disturbances, kind of like um, the mare, which we get nightmare from. Mm-hmm. So another example of dwarves not being uh, very good people. They're mostly, so there's not a ton of direct. Oh yeah. Then the, uh, the, the changing of size and invisibility they have um, dwarves often. There's a couple stories involving a cloak of invisibility that uh, dwarves have, which is how they can sneak around the hills. And then the changing size thing um, refers to a few different stories where uh, dwarves are exceptionally strong and good fighters sometimes and can like go one to one and like wrestle a man. But there's no, no direct like evil dwarf toiling forever and taking slaves. The slave thing is like, it's mostly a reaction to the the D and D dwarf, yeah. Because D and D dwarves, like surface dwarves, well, you know, not underdark dwarves, because they also live service in dwarves, surface yeah, dwarves. like that. <laughs> but like uh, regular dwarves, um, they're you know they don't they don't they don't take slave empires. They do their own work. That's, yeah. You know they're yeah, yeah. Because they take pride, they're prideful, but yeah. they're like happy about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like they'll spend their whole life making like a suit of mithril armor or like something, some like fantastic thing. Right. But they're like, I did this. Look how, whereas like Durgar will, um, may try to make the same thing, but like, they're not really interested in like the pride of accomplishment of like, yeah, look, I did this. Like I did this for me. Like I feel good about myself. I grew as a person cause I created a new thing. They just need yeah. the thing. They got to make the thing. They just throw it in a pile when yeah. you're done. Yeah. Yeah, which, so I couldn't yeah. think of any, um, uh, like I said, Thorin Oakenshield at his worst, I think is the the closest you get to uh, straight up Dwergar yeah. in media. Um, I was thinking of the Pharaohs, great big slave make work projects. Yeah. Building your own tomb is a pretty Dwergar uh, project yeah. like spending your whole life building your tomb spending your whole life building your tomb because it's like this uh just so that you can like take as much shit as possible into the next life so that you can have it yeah. and that then you get to enjoy everything <laughs> that you've taken yeah. with you but i imagine a dwergar is so joyless that that's not even on the table it's just like it's just what you do i have to build my tomb yeah and then uh, ebenezer scrooge was also another Oh, it would be kind of fun to have like a game where you have to Christmas Carol a Dwergar into like becoming good again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> you have to scare them, but how no one's gonna like them anymore. Mm-hmm, yeah. How the rest, how all the slaves are trash talking them behind their back, but like they didn't know or think about it before. Yeah, you just gotta haunt them into into. Uh, having the Christmas spirit or whatever. <laughs> yeah, having an emotional epiphany about something. I watched a, a Muppet Christmas Carol this past Christmas, and it is a wacky ass movie. It, Scrooge only cares; he doesn't really like get the picture until. Um, it's basically he he just gets shown. How everyone in that city, especially his um, employees' families, just like shits on his name all the time, mm-hmm. and then he's very sorry. Yeah, like there's no, there's, there's no, there's no greater uh, like psychological turning around or like realization or like moral change. Yeah, he doesn't like, have I like had a, no idea people hated me. No, like breakthrough of empathy, but like ah, oh, <laughs> I don't. I, I want people to like me. I didn't realize I was doing stuff that yeah, made people not he, like me. He truly thought people just like didn't talk about him after he left the room. Yeah. 
There's also a shot where uh, Rizzo the Rat and Gonzo throw a grappling hook onto uh, Michael Caine while he's flying through the air. And they have two different um, shots of it. And if you put them together, it indicates that the grappling hook has gone up his pajamas and is hooked directly onto his um, butthole or genitals. <laughs> I mean, how else it's are you going to catch him? <laughs> like to see you catch an Ebenezer yeah. Scrooge. Um, I think that's about it. Um, didn't talk about the illustration, but the illustration is very good, I think. And all of the illustrations throughout D&D's history are basically the same. Yeah. So there's not much to say there. Some of them are less. This is kind of a good... Um, it's just stylized enough to show that he's like kind of magical. A few of the other um, previous stylings were you just take an old man and put him in like dark clothing and armor. Yeah. But this one is a, is a good way to show that not only is he a dour person, but he's probably not the same species. Um, and they haven't really changed throughout the game either. They've always kind of done, had basically the same idea for their tactics and backstory. So why mess with it if it isn't broken? Um, one thing, this isn't really, this isn't super relevant to like much else of what we talked about the show, but it's relevant to Duragar in the, they're in the, in the, in the Baldur's Gate games, D and D games that are computer games. You are in the underdark for a while. I've talked about this for a bit and you, you have to deal with them for a little bit and there's um most of the enemies and units and whatever they have like a bark they'll say something when you click on them just to tell you as a player that you've clicked on them and like your mm-hmm. your you know your your uh your heroes will say different things depending on the circumstance but like enemies will just like make a sound when you click on them and normally the dwarves they'll say something like oh give me a swagger of some dwarven ale or something like that like, <laughs> swagger yeah so, something like that you know um <laughs> But the um, with the Duragar, it's like to me, it like it's I can I'm really sure it's the same voice actor. Like a because they I, they can't have had that many different voice actors. But I, yeah. I think it's the same one. But it's just going rah, rah, like it's the dwarf voice actor just growling <laughs> bestially at you. And I I remember uh, I just thought that was very appropriate when I was dealing with him. I was like, yeah, these are the shitty dwarves. Listen, they sound just like dwarves, but they're just yelling at me. They're not even saying anything. Yeah, they don't. Yeah have any reason to talk to you yeah and i think not interested if i remember correctly you find them fighting a demon in the underdark and you're like oh shit okay well we'll kill this demon you fight the demon and then after like oh you killed the demon okay well drop your weapons you're ours now (laughs) now there's no demon here and you can you can try to reason with them be like wait no we saved you and they're like we don't give a shit (laughs) come with us yeah, they're boringly pragmatic. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. What's next? Um, the letter E. <laughs> oh God, damn! Elementals. Finally. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Man, what a, a new letter! Yeah. Only took us a year and a half to get out of D. I think. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a lot going on in D. There is. Elemental, all right, that's a fun one. Looking forward to the E's. Oh, and right after Elementals is Drow. Elves, colon, Drow. So we're sort of back to D in a weird way. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, that's the way it is. Oh, that's right, we haven't done The only elves in the book are Drow, and they're not under D. They're under Elves, colon, Drow. (laughs) Ah, God, this this book sometimes. (laughs) No one else gets that, I don't think. Dwergar aren't under dwarves, no, colon. They're, they're not. And they're, they're as close to dwarves as, as drow are to elves. Well, we're going to have words about that when the time comes. I guess so, yeah. I'm not, I'm not prepared to die on that hill. <laughs> all right. That's all for now. Keep monstering on... Oh, man. <laughs> to write something down next time uh, it's important that we never plan our outros 
No, never yeah, plan. Yeah, that's 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 we're professionals. That's the only way to professionally end a podcast is to never have a planned ending. <laughs> end it. Yeah, here now. There. Bye. That's the ending. No, wait. There's more. Speaking of unplanned endings, this is an addition uh, where I'm going to tell you that we, as a podcast, now have a Facebook group. That's right. We have finally made it. So if you want to continue the conversation with like-minded, monster-focused beings, then go to the Facebook group. You type in Monster Manual Mash, and then you'll find it. You'll find me, Chris Lawson, and everyone else who shows up to talk about monsters. We have at least a couple people in the listenership who are, A, amazingly strangers, so people who I don't know are listening, which is cool. But more than that, they actually have things to say uh, about monsters and in Dungeons and Dragons monsters. Some of them are writers who have actually worked one way or another in this playground. So they're more qualified to talk about this stuff than I am. I just probably have more free time than they do. So let's equalize the playing field and talk monsters on the Facebook group. Continue to like and subscribe everything you see, not even just this podcast, but uh, everything. Just like, like everything and you'll, you'll, you'll be okay.